in Chicago, it's really big to do those private karaoke rooms, which I hate. Yeah. I, I'm all about embarrassing myself and in front and of like as many a people. A lot of people. I need strangers to laugh at me. <laughs> and, uh, so many. So many. So many. Damn books. Uh, well, welcome to Karaoke Talk with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with Anna Batard. Uh, or actually, let's just start with so many damn books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And we do have Hannah Petard in the studio with us. Or Hello. it's not a studio. It's a damn library, right? It's pretty great. Yes. Uh, and still. It is still the damn library. Hannah Petard, you are the author of most recently Listen to Me, as well as uh, Reunion. And you have something coming out soon, I believe, as well. I do, right. Tentatively called uh, Atlanta 1962. Um, cool. We're not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. You like that title? I do. Do you like that title? I mean... I mean, it's it says a lot, right? Yeah, it says place yeah. and time, mm. which is kind of nice. Where? Atlanta. When? 1962. <laughs> Who? Who? Read the Buy the book. You got to buy the book. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. What I like about it is that it's definitely... Not, don't take this the wrong way, but it's definitely not a New York book, uh, right? That's cool. It's not New York, 1962. Yeah. Well, it's that's, Atlanta. That's the only books we like to read. Either that... New York books? New York or in cars. So, <laughs> I that's good. That's yeah. really good. Um, nice segue. But I would love to write. I love reading New York books, and I would yeah. love to write a New York book. But I'm not about to write a New York book as somebody who does not live here. I mm. you, I don't think that you can fake. Um, you can't. I could not fake a New York book. I wouldn't want to try. That's as good a intro to what's going on here as anything. Yeah. Um, Wait, did you guys have questions? I will just talk. <laughs> as a teacher, I am prepared to talk. That's great. Well, before before we do that, let's talk about what we're drinking. Oh yes. Your book, Listen to Me, your new novel, uh, is We're going to say the title as many times yeah. as we can. It's going to be like Pee Wee Herman, and we all laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember this? Are, yeah. you, are you too it's young the word for Pee Wee Herman? No, it's the, the word the, of the day. The word of the day is actually a phrase. It's, yeah. listen to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The drink. Get, get it together. <laughs> we really, we've only, we haven't even had any of them yet. We've only had sips. It's the, it's the should have taken a plane. Uh, or it's a it's my take on an aviation um, which gets a lovely blue uh, violet color from the creme de violet um, and it's also as gin and um, traditionally it's supposed to have a maraschino liqueur which, which is delicious which is the delicious liqueur <laughs> that I love and uh, I couldn't find any so instead I <laughs> instead you did find <laughs> Sprite Tropical Remix which I'm really excited about um, and it I'm, is such a classy drink. It's it's the classiest. <laughs> well, I kind of thought like part of the book is them on. I mean, the whole book is them in a, in a car. So I was just thinking like when you're in on a car trip and you end up stopping at like a gas station, and you look in the fridge and you're like Sprite Tropical Remix. <laughs> Wasn't that discontinued? Years. What's the last thing I would purchase? <laughs> yeah, and that's this. what I decided to buy. <laughs> And uh, it actually works as a, as a substitute, I think. It I think does. it's a it's nice. Yeah, has a has an interesting. I doubt it. Mouth and I've been proved wrong. <laughs> but in the same way that this is the should have taken a plane instead of the aviation, or sh- um, it's it's kind of like should have just bought. <laughs> should have just. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, just. It's delicious. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the drink. 
speaking of uh, buying Sprite. Yeah, what else? talk about some books that we bought. Yeah, let's talk about things we bought. Drew, you should start us. Uh, so Halloween is nearly. Oh yeah, here. are you? Are you October starting, is nearly here. And are you starting I, to buy your your scary books? I am. I spend the month of October just reading like scary books or terrifically books. Uh, so I picked up Paul Tremblay's Head Full of Ghosts. Ooh, good which title. Stephen King said was like the scariest book he read last year. Oh my gosh! And I have to imagine he reads a lot of scary books. Uh, so I was sold on that, and then. A series that I love about a gentleman necromancer, uh, the latest, The Fall of the House of Cabal by Jonathan Howard. Mm. It's very like wry, sort of Terry Pratchett-esque uh-huh. uh, voice, but it, it's a rely. His brother's a vampire. How many of these have you read? The, there are four. Mm-hmm. This is the fifth. I've read them all. <laughs> it's not the fifth yet, but... <clears throat> cool. Yeah. That's Sounds where good. I am. Uh, Hannah? Yeah, so um, I am in the very fortunate... This is not to like rub it in or anything like that, uh, but I have not had to buy many books recently because I have been getting a lot in the mail um, and I am enjoying that a great deal. Uh, Free books in the mail. It's got to be one of the best things in the world. It's a a cool perk. A downside is that um, my library has stopped being hardbacks um, and beautiful published paperbacks. Instead, I have a lot of galleys. Yeah. But they get the job done. It's nice. Um, But recently in the mail, and it's funny because I'm looking at some of these on the bookshelf in front of me, um, Good is Gone. Oh, I've yeah. gotten um, by Amy Gentry by Amy Gentry and uh, but books that um, I have purchased and I, I cannot wait to read. Um, <clears throat> I'm on a bit of a New York review of books kick. Oh, cool. Uh, it, it, I, I think in part because I am reading a bunch of new stuff and stuff that hasn't even been published yet for blurbs. I'm really loving uh, republished books and reprinted books. And so by my bedside table, purchased, not given to me, purchased, uh, is Elizabeth Taylor's Angel Ooh. about a novelist, about a surly young... Um, she's she's not from a privileged background, but she's a surly young British novelist who basically writes uh, pot-boiler romances and her books... She writes them originally when she's something like 16 or 17, her first one that she writes in a notebook and she has the audacity to send it off and it comes back and it doesn't get published. So she you know, goes a little crazy and she writes another one and sends it off and it gets taken, but it gets taken because the two male publishers read it and they're like, this is awful it's going to sell so well. <laughs> so she becomes this amazingly successful novelist. I'm only halfway through it, but I, I am addicted to the narrator and I, I don't normally love books about writers. I love this book. Cool. Wow. It's great. Yeah. I recommend that to everybody. Elizabeth Taylor's angel. Wow. That sounds really good. Yes. Nice. How about you, sir? Oh, um, I, uh, I picked up John Updike's witches of Eastwick. Nice. Um, because I haven't read it before. And, I also, inspired by you, Drew, it's time to maybe get some some scarier reads. Hell yeah. Can't uh, wait for you to call me and be like, I haven't slept in three days. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we'll see if this is what that... And then you'll see the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited about that too. It's interesting. Um, and then I also bought, or uh, Chip Zdarsky uh, took over Jughead, 
um, the character of Jughead from Archie and did a standalone comic um, all about him. It's a really fun comic. Um, and, and Chip Zdarsky, who we've talked about in the past with his um, Sex Criminals book, Sex Criminals. Um, Good title. Great title. You great series. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's, it's fun to see him taking on this character. That skips place and time and goes straight to the who. Who? <laughs> Sex <laughs> criminals. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> we have you here. We want. Let's talk about. Yeah. Uh, listen to me. Sounds yeah. good. Um, before we get too deep into it, would you give our listeners a an author approved synopsis yeah yeah because there are certainly things that we could say that might not be approved by yeah. uh, can wait can i hear that after yeah okay well it's more like we would just spoil it spoiler or alert <laughs> spoiler i can do it can i do a spoiler alert you no. you mean like you want to spoil it kind your no. own book i mean well, <laughs> uh no okay so but it's the story of mark and maggie they they take an annual drive east mark is a professor maggie's a vet she owns her own clinic they're you know a happy healthy pretty couple that hasn't had to be too introspective they've lived a fairly contented life and uh with the exception of maggie's mugging at gunpoint about nine months before the book starts and and then about three weeks before the road trip um, Maggie had been improving over time after the mugging and uh, about three we- weeks before the road trip um, a young woman down the street is murdered and it's it has nothing to do at all with Maggie and Mark except that the cops come to visit them because the young woman who was murdered has an identical bruise on the back of her neck that Maggie had after she was mugged at gunpoint. Um, and this sort of spirals Maggie out of control. Any any sort of semblance of normalcy that she had reclaimed after the mugging is gone. And Mark, instead of waiting another month before classes to end, you know, he's a tenured faculty member. Mark sort of um, gets out of town early. He puts Maggie in the car, basically and says let's get you back to nature <laughs> let's get you out of the city but of course they don't get out soon enough um mm. yeah wow yeah that's a that's a great i don't know i want to read it again <laughs> that's i like you should read it again wait, <laughs> wait till the paperback comes out and buy another oh, oh yeah. there you go that's yeah. what we should do <laughs> um well i want to talk to you about confining the novel to a car sure. i mean did that did it start like I want to write a novel in a car? Absolutely or, not. Okay. No. So so this is like I say this is a this is a, a drive that I've taken many times and in fact I um, took a drive I think it was in 2012 uh, where so in the in the book Mark and Maggie end up staying at a hotel without power. Not a spoiler alert because it's on the back of the book, but I did always think, do we want to say that? <laughs> um, but but it says it. So they they stay in a hotel without power, and I stayed in a hotel without power. Um, and I I I am somebody who is pretty terrified of the dark. Still am. Um, I have a few irrational fears: fear of the dark, fear of flying, hence my driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not sleep at this hotel without power. Um, and instead, I pretty much stayed awake thinking something's got to come out of this. Okay, it's going to be a book. Um, <laughs> and, and I didn't realize that instead of spending most of the novel at the hotel without power, which is sort of how I envisioned it that night as I was not sleeping, um, it ended up being about these people in a car. And, and what's really crazy is that uh, a piece of advice that I have recycled and passed on to my students, one that I got from a professor of mine at the University of Virginia, Chris Tillman, he once told us, if you don't know what to write about, put two people in a car who don't like each other 
something will happen. Um, <laughs> and so I was, I was saying that to students this summer in Oxford, Mississippi, and I had a young guy raise his hand and say, hey, so you did that. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, your book. I read, I read about your book. It hadn't come out yet. And he said, I read about your book. You have like this couple and they don't like each other and you put them in a car. And I said, holy cow, I totally <laughs> did. I find, like, I, you know, Chris Tillman said this 10 years ago and it, it was in the back of my mind. And I was so lucky. He was in the audience in DC uh, right after the book came out in July. And I was able to tell that anecdote and thank him because I do think in many ways he is responsible for, I mean, the germ was given to me by him, but it was, it was accidental. Huh? Cool. And it, I, but it's absolutely true. It's great advice. And I, I stand by it because really, if you don't, you know, there are writers who, there are some writers who absolutely know what they're going to write about. Um, they don't know how to begin, but there are people who are like, I can write. I love to write, but I have a really hard time making things happen. And it's terrific advice. Put two people who don't like each other in a car, send them on at least a hundred mile road trip. Something will happen, <laughs> right? They, like a fight. Knowledge will come out that isn't supposed to come out. Um, something's going to happen. That's yeah. cool. It's That's not really bad. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things like coming out that aren't supposed to, yeah, the book has this just relentless uh, buildup of dread, for, like Good. from the very beginning. Thank mm-hmm. you. And I'm thinking specifically, there are th- I think you do it three times where you s- like there's this authorial voice that pops in and the mm. camera sort of pans away from the car, and it's like. They were driving by Lake Michigan and it was like this many feet to the bottom. Yeah. Or like the sun was this many thousand miles away. And I, why did you choose to do that? Because it was deeply effective. That makes me so happy. Um, you ha- you're having like the visceral reaction that I was hoping people would have. <laughs> um, I don't know why those, those moments um, happened when they happened. Um, what I was hoping for, I'm very interested in the artifice of st- storytelling. I think uh, it's something that we all do all the time, right? It's how we communicate. And and it's why if I am an effective teacher, I think it's because I believe that everybody can learn to write, not necessarily well, um, but everybody tells a sto- can learn to tell a story because that's how we communicate every single day, all day long. Um, and you know, we tell, we tell each other anecdotes, we tell each other summaries of what happened over the weekend. Um, Sometimes the stories aren't interesting. Sometimes they are. And what I think I'm good at is saying, okay, let's take that real life story that you just told me and let's make it interesting. Uh, Let's (laughs) tweak it, right? Um, So in being interested in that storytelling process, I have become somebody who wants to acknowledge the artifice, sort of put it on a pedestal, but also take it apart a little bit and say, what are we doing? And, and, and I'm really interested in the idea of audience and the way that the story that I would tell you of what I did last night, for instance, um, it's going to be a lot different the way I tell it to you two, um, two very nice dudes who I just met who clearly <laughs> like to laugh, right? And so now I want to make you laugh all the time. Um, but it's going to be a different version that I tell to, for instance, my mom, who I have a really open and candid relationship with. But I'd also, you know, I'm going to say something like, well, you know, Greta, she had a few more drinks than I did. Um, <laughs> you know, I switched over to soda water pretty early on in the night, um, to which my mom, of course, is going 
going to hear this and be like, that's Hannah lying again, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and so I also know that that's a sort of audience there because she's anticipating my lie. Um, I am known in the family as the prevaricator. I'm just like the nonsense, but I'm never doing it out of um, malice. I'm doing it to entertain. Like, why would I tell the straight story when I could actually entertain people? Mm. And always, my family are the only people who does this to me. Nobody else will do it, but my family will stop and they'll say, that's not what happened. And I'll say, <laughs> but isn't it so much better? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't, who cares? I, this is so much more fun. Um, so part of the, so part of this novel was sort of acknowledging that, that, you know, that artifice. I mean, I keep using that word. Um, and by having those moments in the book where, as you say, the camera sort of um, takes this long view, what I was trying to do or what I hope to do with that was basically say, listen, we're all, whether we want to be or not, we're all walking solipsists. You know, we are all in our own heads all the time. Um, and and some of us know better than others that other people exist and we want to take care of them. Bill and Melinda Gates, right? They they are, they want to take care of people and they're doing a really good job making sure that like their generosity is felt all over the world. Um, I know that other people exist. I mean, I, I because I teach and I, I don't have kids and I never will, I don't want them, but I think it's a responsibility of mine to, you know, help future generations out. So I'm I'm very aware that other people, 18 to 22 year olds and some grad students, they have souls and I want to help those <laughs> souls become better by making them better readers and better writers. Um, but at the same time, there's also this uh, nagging feeling that I have as a human being in this world that my life, if I'm lucky, it'll be long, but my life of 37 years right now, possibly 97 years, is a blip on the fucking radar, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to do with those panning out moments, a reminder of, but guess what? It doesn't really matter. But I know it does. I know it does to you, right? It, <laughs> yeah. It's really upsetting. I get it. You were mugged. You might be getting divorced next week, but also guess what? It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's that quote, uh, I want to say it was Emerson, the like most men leave, lead lives of quiet desperation. Yeah. And Mark and Maggie are both like living their own little quietly desperate lives, but thrown into these, they're, they're not extraordinary circumstances, but they feel right. extraordinary. Yeah. So th that's, that's a really cool way of looking at it. Um, what I, so I did want to write a a, a kind of thriller um, and I think there are a lot of readers who will be disappointed when they think they're picking up a thriller here and it's not you know there is no gore but to me um, the it seems extraordinary but it's actually very normal it's mm -hmm. very normal and every day what happens um, and and just you ubiquitous small problems that they encounter and what I liked about the idea of making those ordinary things dreadful uh, was this sort of the implication that the reader would have that this could be my life. This mm -hmm. could happen tomorrow. And that to me is a lot, a lot scarier than um, there are vampires in my closet, which obviously like if I'm reading a vampire book late at night and you tell me, and it's about vampires in my closet, that's going to unsettle me. Yeah. And probably that's the night that I don't get up to use the bathroom in the middle. I'm like, I'll hold it. <laughs> well, I'm good. I'm good till dawn. And you know, I get my phone out and I'm like seven fifteen. Sun comes up. That's when I'm using the bathroom. In the morning. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not impervious to those sorts of fantastical, 
physical fears, but the fear that I'm really interested in is the realistic one, the one of who is around the corner and and what happens if I do get a little bit um, glib with my walk home from the L late at night because it's my walk home to my house and this is my street. And um, you've done the, it a million times. Yeah, so why, you've done it a million yeah. times, and so I think that's the tonight? stuff that's really interesting to mm-hmm. me the possible the the truly possible stuff was it a short novel by design or was it a short novel by the fact that it ended and you're like okay it's 180 pages <laughs> oh that's <laughs> yeah. a, that's a that's an interesting question um i did not think i did not know that this would be a short novel looking at it now it seems like especially with two people sort of in in crisis it couldn't be much longer because i think i would be i would i would begin to ask too much of the reader um because as you said there's like this lingering dread early on that that that's borderline you didn't use this word and i think that was being you were being kind but um it is borderline claustrophobic and i think yeah. if i think 20 more pages and i would have put this book down but but it's just the right amount of intensity like a movie um you know where you've got you've got just enough sweat in you um like uh what's that great movie that came out last year whiplash I think I walked out 10 pounds lighter. I had just the right amount of liquid in my body that could be expelled. Um, I did not know what was going to happen in that movie. I went into it completely blind and I'm recently divorced, but my husband was sitting next to me at the time and he's a musician. So he was really excited to see it and he had not warned me for it. Five minutes in, I grabbed his leg. I was sitting on the edge of my seat five minutes in and I grabbed his leg and I said, just tell me, is there a murder? So, so this book, I think... I love this book. I'm very proud of this book. It's the book I'm most proud of, in fact. And and I think it it couldn't be a page longer and it couldn't be a page shorter. But it was not deliberate, only, mm. only in that the writing itself was deliberate, but not the length. One thing that I was thinking about, certainly while reading Listen to Me, but then also while reading uh, the book that you brought to us yes. today... Uh, Ian reads. I'm thinking of ending things. Is like that that weird sense that you can never n- quite know the person sitting next to you, even if you think you know them completely. Right. A nine year marriage, a seven week relationship. Right. Yeah. And I was just in in terms of all of the things that we've been saying about the the building dread and the fact that like our lives are sort of a blip. Even as you're thinking about those like bigger ideas, you manage to get really deep into these two people and show how like don't know each other yeah and i'm just wondering where how you came to that idea of like yeah i want to show yeah how did you decide to explore that yeah i do believe and this is not cynical um i think this is just factual i believe that we can't know another person and so i'm really intrigued by what that means and and sometimes it doesn't mean anything but but i think sometimes if you choose you can pull the right string um and it means that something falls a relationship falls apart just because you're ready for it too um i don't know before we get super far i do want to know um what made you bring this book to us? Uh, I'm thinking I, of ending things by Ian Reed. So I, I'm I I wanted to bring it to you two for two reasons, or no, not for two reasons, for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, uh, I got to review it in the New York Times, and um, and I think very some, cool. Thank you. So so in part because it, it's just it's cool um, that I got to review this book, uh, but also because I think that. 
I think that the review might come across as negative. Um, and I don't mean it in that way. I meant, I, I, I really thought that this was a, I'm, I'm so impressed by this book as a debut novel. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted to talk about um, the many things it does right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I talk about the th- some of the things it does right in the, in the review. But, um, you know, I also, I, I found myself in the review, and this is going to sound so condescending, and I don't mean it that way, but I found myself definitely like feeling like not a teacher because that is condescending, but like somebody who wanted to say, Dude, really good job, but I think that you can get an A plus next time. Yeah, um, and and it's you know it's a conversation that if Ian and I were friends, and I hope one day we are, he could say that about my work too. That he could be like, listen, I think you got lazy here, um, and I feel like this. Is, I, I want to be like Ian. Come on, I think you took an easy way out. I do because you wrote a kick ass book, and then it's almost like he got tired. Mm-hmm. And he was like, never mind. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bed and I think that's exactly the way <clears throat> you described it to me. You were like he was like I wrote a great book and then ah uh, never mind. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> what's next? It's okay. Yeah, I could, did, wait. Did you tell me that that check just cleared? Cool. <laughs> right, it's cool. And, and that was right. Yeah. Which on and and I have to say, like as somebody who has been a struggling poor writer for most of her life, I don't not respect that. But I also see enough talent there like an instinctive talent that I want to, I want to sort of like, I want to be his friend so that I can say that. Yeah. I'll just say what the book's about really quick. This is a book that's pretty, pretty much very similar. It's two people in a car mm-hmm. driving. Um, they have been together for, for just seven weeks, not nine years, right. but they're still, and, sh- and very quickly in the first few pages, the, the line from the title comes up that she's saying, I'm thinking of ending things. I, I want to break up with this guy, but I'm curious. I'm just interested in yeah. this trip to his parents' house. Right. And then things go off the rails. <laughs> Causality falls away. I yeah. mean, things stop making yeah. sense. And as you said, right, there's, it seems deliberately vague. And when you finish this book, you realize why it has to be vague. I mean, all of it, all of it is ultimately earned, you know, and I'm putting that in, air quotes in my head um but it's also really frustrating it is frustrating it had it, it was very intriguing at the uh, it's an intriguing novel oh i was t- i was terrified like it, in the first 30 yeah, pages speaking of books not to read late yeah. at night um so like i said uh, how many times i have like a couple words that i'm just gonna like say repeatedly <laughs> um today but uh i'm recently divorced and i was at home alone you know in this house that i used to ha- share with somebody and i was as I also said, I'm scared of the dark and I was reading that book and I had to read it quickly because I wanted to spend most of my time rereading and, you know, really getting to think about it before the review was due. I took it super seriously like homework, but I got 30 pages in one night and I put it down. I was like, "Mm -mm, this is, I'm not reading this book at night. And that is success to me. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean it, I was thinking of, um, especially around them. Like they, they arrive at Jake's parents' place. Yeah. And they do actually arrive to the, they get to the farm and the farm, the creepy as fuck. They get to the fireworks. I started thinking of, um, (laughs) I know he like, you can't quite say his name without laughing anymore, but, uh, M night Shyamalan's Uh most recent movie, which one, wait, can you even remind me what the most recent movie? I honestly, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's like these two kids go to visit their grandparents called the visit, the visit. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. <laughs> that should have been pretty easy, I guess. 
I loved all the details of of her realizing like, okay, so this is these are all antiques or these are just things that have been owned for years. Yeah. Like, like and every and but everything's not dusty. Like there's very it's it's a very Here are pictures, but these pictures might are, have come with the picture frames. Right. And she's like, is that me? <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. Which is so creepy. There's there's that was also the the moment for me where when she sees this photo and she's like, wait, is that me? At about that time where she looks at the photograph and she sees herself, um, I, I was a little bit optimistic. Please let this be something other than I think it's going to be. But I think 75% of me knew that it was going to become this spoiler alert. Can I do this? Yeah, it's, I'm yeah. Spo- it's totally fine. Yeah. Like I, I thought, please don't let it do what Ian Reed's book do what I think it's going to do, which is absolutely all of these people are the same person and you're like mm-hmm. no no yep your book is very similarly a page like both of these books feel designed to be read in a single sitting or as close as possible as close under as possible. ideal circumstances yeah, yeah, yeah. in a single sitting and i'm wondering like you your ending is a twist in its own way it's a mm-hmm. twist on the thriller genre whereas right. ian's feels like he leans really hard into the like and i'm gonna keep messing with you to the very end right when i started the book um there was definitely part of me a large part of me that wanted to write something really violent and um you know actually given to the thriller genre um But as I was writing the book, I just, you know, something I tell my students is be honest. And, you know, I love saying that, especially to freshmen, because they scratch their head and they say, but we're writing fiction. And they say, right. So go figure out what I mean. Be honest. Um, (laughs) So as I was writing it, I realized, you know, I I, I thought there's going to be a rape. um, There's going to be a murder. There's going to be one of the spouses is going to kill another one of the spouses. Mark's going to see something genuinely terrible like he's gonna he's gonna see a true crime um and then he so i had all of these huge you know ideas as i was writing it and when i got to the hotel i realized yeah but i'm telling if i'm telling the truth and the truth is that it's these little everyday decisions that shape our lives and Mm -hmm. it's these tiny everyday fears that you know impact and influence who we are and how we act then I've got to be honest with the ending, which is that this stupid thing happens and Mark, you know, lets the dog off the leash. I'm curious for you as a reader, not as a writer. Yeah. What is like, what is your ideal form of the thriller? Is it the one that at the end, like it is rooted in truth, it is reality, or is it the one that goes insane and it's like hey yeah it turns out norman bates is also his mother (sighs) a friend of mine just published his debut novel uh called thirst his name is benjamin warner and it's the premise is so on i want to say simple but it's imagine trying to execute this um but the premise is the water is gone one day from the world Mm -hmm. It, Hmm. it just evaporates and it's gone no explanation but ben because he's brilliant and he's Ben doesn't do a sort of Dr. Pepper commercial take on it where you see like kids running in India and kids running in Russia and kids running in America. Like, you know, the beautiful, he looks at one suburb 
in Baltimore and not just at one suburb, but one cul-de-sac and then not just at one cul-de-sac, but just one house. And so he's looking at this couple and the wife might be pregnant and the husband's just trying to get home from work, but on his commute home, the water's gone. And so instead of looking at everybody, you know, we're not looking at the president. We're not looking at anybody important. It's just, here's a dude who used to be a runner and he's trying to get home to his wife and he doesn't quite understand that the water's gone. And I, I remember putting that book down like I've read it. I read many drafts before it was published and every single time it was the same at about 40, 50 pages in, I would put the book down. I'd go into the kitchen and I'd look for the extra water. I'd be like, where? And then I'd look. And it's funny because I was telling his wife this and his wife was like, yep. And I bought extra flashlights and I bought <laughs> flood lamps. And, and I was like, I did that too. I mean, I, I basically became a panicked person, but, but in this like, really wonderful cathartic type way i mean great art you know does that it's Mm -hmm. a catharsis and i love thirst the book because on the one hand i think yeah but that's never going to happen right we're never going to run out of water but on the other hand it's like we could yeah we could right that's not vampires in the attic (laughs) yeah that's water running out that could happen totally terrifying (sighs) that might be actually a good pivot oh yeah into into recommendations. I mean, we're having a great time talking, but we should probably talk about books, other books that we love too. Yeah. Drew, you sure. can start. I have two. Great. I was deciding whether it was one or two. It's two. That sort of fit this thing. Um, <laughs> One is Jesse Ball's The Curfew. Oh, I haven't read it yet. I like I just, I love Jesse Ball and um I've been like diving down his backlist slowly but surely this year. And this one it's uh dad and his daughter. The daughter's mute. They're in some vaguely totalitarian, probably Eastern European country. Um and the dad decides to go out after this unofficial curfew one night Ooh. to like meet up with some separatists. Cause apparently there's information about his wife, the girl's mm. mother who was disappeared by the government several years earlier. And it's a different kind of like the whole time there's a, there's a slightly like warm sweater feeling about the book, but there is in the back of your head, there's just this blinking, like things are wrong. And you watch sort of the various characters and how they interact with that. And, but it's also just brilliant. Mm. I mean, Jesse is an awesome stylist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other one is a book I haven't read in years, but it has stuck with me. Um, Tim O'Brien's In the Lake of the Woods. Are you fucking with me right now? I love that book. Do you know that you just stole my recommendation? Seriously? Yes. Oh, no. John oh, Wade. No. Oh, oh, let's, my gosh, that's let's just switch over to you. Why are you recommending yeah. it? This guy talks all the time on yeah. our show. Yeah, oh, yeah, my yeah, gosh. yeah. So my my. Th- favorite novel in the world the book that has influenced me more than any book ever um in part because of the disappearing narrator this is yeah. how I refer to him in, in in class um i teach it in literature classes and i teach it in creative writing classes is tim o'brien's in the lake of the woods i think it's brilliant everyone everyone does the things they carried which is also terrific and yep. needs to win all the awards that it needs to win but i think the most perfect novel that has been written post 1970 is in the lake of the woods cool it, it absolutely achieves 
everything that I would want to achieve. It talks about the artifice of storytelling. It absolutely manipulates the reader, but in a way that is earned. It's diegetic. You know, it's it's the reason that we believe the narrator and that we're okay being swayed by the narrator is because the narrator wants to seduce us because it's very important to mm-hmm. us that we love the main character. So there's a purpose behind the lying. There's a purpose behind um, the perspective and the way that the story is being told. Basically, you have just like... Um, put in front of the audience here like the book that um the book i wish i could have written it's everything that i talked about that's hysterical (laughs) i love that book i guess you have to go next i guess i do but now bummer sorry i'm not even gonna recommend a book anymore good (laughs) you can't top that yeah i'm gonna talk about um uh, a movie that takes place in a car um and it's uh tom hardy this is in this incredible uh movie lock and it literally is it's just him, right? It's just him. Oh yeah. There you it's him in a car. Uh and actually, um I read an interview with the director where he's like, Yeah, I actually started with with film uh, of uh the highway from a car. And then I was like, you know, I could probably make a movie from this. So I started writing a script. Which I think is That's a amazing. very funny awesome. way to start. Um <laughs> yeah. And it's an excellent movie. Um, Tom Hardy does an incredible performance and it just shows when you can delete everything. You don't even need the second person in the car. Right. Now that you have a cell phone, you're going to have like a whole group of people (laughs) calling him. Um, But it's an, you just see Tom Hardy. I mean, it's a great movie. I really recommend it as also an interesting companion piece uh, to listen to me. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think I'm going to go home and watch it tonight. Very nice. I haven't seen it yet. Um, the timing feels right. The does. timing feels right for you. <laughs> I like it. Um, Hannah, thank you so much yeah, for joining us. This was so much fun. Thank yeah, you. this was really great. Um, and, uh, you know, we always say the same things at the end of the show. So just do listen to the last episode and what we said last time, do that. That is your Wikipedia. Does it really it say? Just, really? It's like Hannah Bittard is a short story. Well, thank you. Somebody <laughs> somebody on the wiki site knows me. Um, that's great. My mom actually called to tell me that I was on wiki and I said, uh, hey, well, I didn't know. And so that was cool on the one hand. On the other hand, I said, hey, mom, what are you doing Googling me? And she said, I had some downtime. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, it's gonna be a, this one's going to be a long conversation. Um, and it actually did end up being a long conversation because she said, she said, so I read some interviews and I was like, ooh, hold on, let me <laughs> let me pour myself a bourbon for this one. And she said, do you know what I realized about you? I'm not kidding, this happened this year. And I said, what'd you realize about me, mom? And she said, you like to talk about yourself. <laughs> and I, this, this thank you for laughing because I, I kind of got quiet and I said, mom, you know their interviews, right? <laughs>